0: Hey, everybody. I'm Ashley Adamson. So glad you are here and that you have found us. If you've been listening to season two of the show, you've probably noticed the wonderful addition of Some New Faces as we dive deeper into the power of story to connect people, which along with Celebrating Motherhood is what this whole podcast has really been about since we started it about a year and a half ago. Uh, Today, very pleased to be rejoined by the incomparable Chantal Bailo, who is an executive coach, mom of three kids. And if you listen to her first episode from last month, you know she's someone who's had a huge impact on my life and um, many people who I hold near and dear as well. Our topic today, uh, and don't turn it off when you hear this, (laughs) is regret. We will talk about the role of regret, how it can be a gift if used properly and a wonderful teacher, and what to do if you, like many people, are coming up on the end of the year and feeling some of those emotions around regret start to surface. So, what do you do with that feeling? How can it be helpful instead of hurtful? We'll talk about that and share some of our own personal regrets. Hope you enjoy this episode of Your Story with Chantal. Chantal, great to be with you as always and see your beautiful face. And I always like to just sort of set the scene. So, Christmas right around the corner, a lot going on. How are you today coming into this? How are you doing?
1: How am I doing? I I would say I'm uh, I have a multitude of things, which maybe all of us are. I am uh, feeling that like low grade stress and anticipation of did I buy the right gifts for everyone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Is Santa de- going to deliver and bring the expected joy that my kids are um, hoping for? Uh, and, you know, just the like the meal prep and kind of all the things that go into making Christmas hopefully a really special experience, you know, bracing for having the whole family home for multiple weeks. Uh, and simultaneously, uh, I think it can be a hard time of year. So there's some, you know, just sadness in the background, too, in terms of people that I'm not going to be with for Christmas and I think that's real for a lot of people around this holiday
0: time. Yeah. And I, that's the perfect way to start this because I think in many ways it is this beautiful time of year and hopefully a time to as much as you can slow down and be with the people that you love. But I think to your point, this year also comes with a lot of emotions. It can be a really hard time of the year for people. And it's like, I don't know, it's almost like this giant soup of nostalgia, holiday stress you know, sadness and loss, especially for people who have lost loved ones during the year. It's the first holiday without them. Um, And there's, so there's just, yeah, there's a lot that surfaces at the end of a calendar year. And you noticed that one of the recurring things that you hear pop up with some of your clients, you were telling me is this feeling of regret. So let's just start right there and dive into it. Like, tell me more about that. What do you hear about regret from people this time of year? Yeah. And
1: maybe I'll start with a particular client that um, named this most explicitly, because I think sometimes we don't necessarily use the word regret, but it's, you know, some sort of swimming around a topic. Yeah. Uh, but I have a particular client who is, um, is interested in making a shift to work on his own. Right. And it's worked for a firm for a number of years. And I think anticipated that when he was ready to make that leap and jump, he'd make the leap and jump versus realizing that he hasn't actually built up the network or the relationships or the infrastructure in order to make that leap in a way that he feels like he could be most successful. And so how the regret is showing up for him is kind of kicking himself in some ways for being naive or not thinking ahead and not prepping and planning and sort of just trusting that when he was ready, it would work out. And there's real regret, I think, in terms of what he didn't plan and anticipate and manage.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's really real and I can identify with that a lot. So how do you, when the regret starts to show up and and you say some people, maybe, maybe this client in particular can name it, but a lot of us probably don't. Yeah. Um, so when you think about you know regret and noticing it more maybe at the end of the year than others because you kind of have a time to reflect back yeah. on what you have done what do you notice about the way people deal with it
1: yeah well i mean i think the biggest noticing is that people don't yeah. i mean even what we were just talking about right you have something like christmas for people who don't celebrate christmas and focus on new year's or other kind of themes around and holidays around to the end of the year We, as a, you know, I don't know if it's a human species or just the Western world, but we have a real tendency to just lean into like, but isn't it joyful? And aren't we having fun? And isn't it great to be together? And I think we very quickly skim over negative emotions because, I mean, they kind of suck, right? I mean, negative emotions like resentment, regret, sadness, shame, embarrassment, all those things are kind of undesirable, and yet they live in us if we don't actually kind of let them live through us and get out of us in some way so you're nodding what's coming up for i you, just
0: Ash? i i think it is this and, and we're going to talk about this in an upcoming episode so i don't want to get too far into it but it is holding space for both things can be true you know there yeah. there can be multiple and i i believe so much in the power of the opposite and it's like you can't you know lightness can't be understood without dark without darkness. Yeah. And so there's this feeling of um, we feel like we're supposed to be happy all the time, and that's just not the human experience. Mm-hmm. We're not, and and anyone who says they are, you're probably just not paying attention or you're glossing over everything because under the surface there's a lot of shit yeah. there. And so you have to let it out, right? Like you got to let it work through you. So how do you how how do you do that? I mean, like like yeah. just from a palpable standpoint, and I'm sure that's again more than we could just solve in a short yeah. podcast episode. But what what are some things that you try and help people move through these types of emotions?
1: Yeah. Well, so if we go back to this particular client, and then I think we can zoom out and think about it in a like more macro, mm-hmm. what are some approaches? But with this particular client, I think his inclination was, oh, like I really regret not doing X, Y, or Z, because now it's gotten me to a place where I feel like I can't make the change with in the timeline that I most want now, like I feel kind of hamstrung. And I think the inclination is like, okay, well now what do you want to do moving forward? So what steps do you want to take? What's your timeline? But it's almost like you've got this albatross hanging around you where like regret is still your bedfellow of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I think until you are able to actually, as a coach, I ask questions like, well, what do you most regret or like, what is, what does it feel like to be in that space of regret? Or what is hardest about really regretting the choices that you made? And I think unless we give it some space and room to breathe, it just kind of keeps dragging us down, but we just like power through and convince ourselves that it doesn't matter. And yet it becomes increasingly hard to make progress because that regret is so closely attached to us.
0: It's like a defense mechanism in some right? Of just, it's easier to kind of, if you don't really name it and deal with it and look it in the face and talk about it, uh, you can pretend it's not there. It's like, you know, when I, back when I was in my 20s and had no money, I just, my my credit card bill will go away if I don't look at it.
1: (laughs) No, I know. And we all like delude ourselves and we kind of just like cross our fingers and hope for the best. Yeah. I think our emotional state, I mean, the thing that I really actually appreciate and I'm fascinated by, I mean, with any emotion, but if we think about negative emotions, quote unquote, negative emotions in particular, if you think about something like regret, what I find really fascinating with clients, if you kind of peel back the onion and really sit with it and are like, well, what do you most regret? Or what's hardest about the regret? it The emotion starts to shift from regret into something else. And so often I see with clients, it really shifts into... Oh, like what's the loss that you feel? Or like, what are you actually grieving, and what's it like to grieve that and And if you can actually allow the emotion to shift from regret into loss or grief into sadness, and then you can kind of access like, okay, wait like maybe now I can move into possibility. Yeah, maybe now I can actually move into creative thinking. But like if you deny that process, I think you get really stuck,
0: yeah. I, it's like mud, and it's just hard to yeah. be able to get through the muck because it's just laying there like a big heavy coat. I wonder when you when you talk about like pulling out and thinking about it in a macro level, in general, what is the role of regret in our lives? Because the negatives are obvious, and that's true with any you know negative emotion is that if you take it too far and you are ruminating so much on the past, like yeah. it can lead to a bunch of unhelpful things and and the inability to sort of move forward, and you know all the anxieties that comes with that. But I do think that there is an upside to regret yeah. and any negative emotion. So, yeah. I, how do you see it? How do you see the the that you know yeah. emotion playing out?
1: I'll talk about it from this client, and then even just for myself. And I'd love to hear for you, Ashley, just yeah. like a regret and actually what. what how much time
0: do you have here?
1: <laughs> I, I have until Christmas. I feel like <laughs> I'm delightful to process this through the holidays. So, I with this particular client, I think the value of exploring it was. Um, I mean, twofold. One was to say, okay, what do you most regret, right? I think he regretted in many ways, kind of being in some ways naively loyal to the company he was a part of and Mm -hmm. presuming that that loyalty would just manifest as capability for when he wanted to then do what he wanted to do next. And so loyalty is not a bad thing in any way. But I think by kind of tapping into that, like kind of like in some ways like grieving this idea of maybe I can't be blindly loyal then it enables him to be like so who do I want to be I want to be someone who is loyal and who is also actually looking out for me and what I need to take care of and navigating that tension
2: mm-hmm. um
1: and and I think for me when I think about um when I think about regret a lot of it is around choices I didn't make or choices that I are no longer available to me. And I think in many ways, it just reveals parts of myself that I care about and would want to access, but can't anymore. And um, that feels super abstract. I'm happy to get more specific. Yeah, I excited.
0: would. I was going to say, I would love to, you know, if you'd be, and I'm happy to share it because I've got a few as well. But I, yeah. I do think this notion that I want to underscore of so often, I think the things that we regret the most are the things that we didn't do as opposed to the things yeah. that we did. And I don't, you know, again, I don't know if you find that to be true with yourself or with clients, but I think some of the biggest regrets when I think back on like, oh man, it's, it's about not having you know, to your client's point, like not having set up some things and, and approached it differently because he thought it was going to sort of just play out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it can almost be both. Like when I think about some clients, I think another form of regret that I hear is, um, you know, I did do a lot. I put my head down. Like, you know, I work with a number of founders, co-founders, entrepreneurs, and, um, you know, sometimes they lift their head up and they're like, I forgot to have a family. (laughs) I was working so much. And so it's like, because I was so focused and because I so knew what I wanted to accomplish and the impact I wanted to have on the world, I like didn't tend to this other part of my life. And I regret doing that. And so they were actually taking a lot of action, making a lot of choices, doing a lot of things. But I think the reality is, like, it's, it's hard to do all the things in one lifetime. Yeah. And so sometimes I think regret is inevitable because we want a lot of things often and yeah. it's hard to do all of the things.
0: I feel that deeply <laughs> because yeah. I, well, I just I think both of us are wired in in a similar way, and I'm sure a lot of your clients are too, because if you're going to hire an executive coach, you are driven and you have these things that you want to accomplish, and you feel like you know one of the purposes for being here in my mind other than loving each other is discovering your gifts and giving them to the world and I think that when it it can be daunting, and I remember you helped me um in one of our you know one of our engagements there was a, a phone call we had about how passion discovering your passion can be really paralyzing that word passion can be so paralyzing because you're like what's my passion like i don't i don't know what my passion. and i think and you helped me reframe it and you said what's sometimes like the friendlier cousin to that is curiosity yeah. what are you curious about and and then how does that show up and so i think you know again just as an example but yeah, you there's so much that you want to do and you'll never be able to do it all. And so how do you let go of that and learn to use your regret for good rather than just sit there and think back like, damn it, I wish I had done that or I wish I had handled it differently or I wish I had not done X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, I love
1: that. And I think the other thing that you're implicitly naming, which comes up a lot with clients I work with is also like how to have compassion for the version of yourself that made choices with the information you had at that time in your life. Right. And I think oftentimes we have regret because we're mad at like, but why didn't I know that? And why couldn't I have seen that? And why couldn't I have anticipated and predicted? And it's like, well, how could you like, you knew what you knew at the time. And can you actually just be be grateful for what you were able to do and what you were able to navigate and have a little bit of emotional distance versus in many ways, this shame for who we were when often we were just doing the best that we could with the resources we had.
0: That is such a perfect point to make, Chantal. And it reminds me of um, one of my favorite episodes that we did in season one was with Sonia Curry, Steph Curry's mom. And she Mm -hmm. talked about um, how she almost, had an abortion with Steph when Steph was, when she was at the abortion center. And she wrote, she wrote about it in her book. It's this really powerful story. But she also talked about one of the things we were asking her about, what, you know, what do you know now at this stage in your life? And she said, well, I, I made that decision to not have an abortion with Steph, but I had already made that decision once. So I'd I'd gotten pregnant early on when I was in college. I did not, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. I knew that I couldn't raise a child and I did have an abortion. And she said, and I lived with, a lot of that regret and pain from that. And she said, but I have finally li- like learned to have some grace for myself and forgive myself because what I know now and what I understand now and the, di- the different decision I was able to make later, like what was available to me now and where my head was, I have grace for that point in my life. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way for someone who was so, you know, she is so faith driven. And I, I just, that, that conversation pops up in my head all the time, because I think you're right. We we are constantly evolving. Like hopefully we are constantly yeah. evolving, right? Like stay in beta and- Yeah,
1: but, yeah. And, but exactly as you're saying, as we evolve, it's really hard to realize that we were in a different part of our yeah. evolution. And I mean, that story is really poignant, right? And now she knows something different, can see something different. It doesn't mean that she necessarily would have changed the decision that she made. Right. But she can have a different relationship with it and actually maybe be more open-hearted to herself, open-hearted to other people, and not be in that mud you talked about, yeah. right? It's yeah. not like stewing in that regret, but kind of having some self-compassion, seeing it as loss or grief, allowing it to move through her in some way, and then being able to write about it and move forward.
0: Yep. No, I I think that is right. And so I'm... Okay, so I'm going to share with you. I'd say my... When people ask, like, what is your regret? And I, I think this was a really good lead into this because i think having grace for where i was in my life and who i was at that point um compared to where i'm at now is an important thing to remind myself of but yeah. the way that i saw myself growing up and my i think it was just a lack of confidence or maybe this like deep desire and need of validation from other people i cared a ton about what other people thought and i know every you know kid does but through high school like i was just totally influenced by friends by boyfriends and The guys in particular, like I just get sad and kind of mad thinking about what I allowed in some of my relationships, like the way I was, you know, allowed different people who I was with to treat me. I didn't stand up for myself in the way that I would now. Um, And I have, yeah, so I have this like major regret around that. And I am so glad, by the way, that I waited until I was 32 years old to get married because it took me a long time to find myself to be in a place where then... I did find exactly the right person who I was supposed to marry. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, this doesn't have to be hard and painful and sad. And the jealousy doesn't need like all of those things that filled so many of my previous relationships. So I'll say that that insecurity um, obviously showed up in my relationships, but it showed up in a really interesting way in my job. And this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. But yeah. every time I, uh, every time I talk to a young woman who is getting into broadcasting journalism sports journalism whatever it is i i I always call it out because i think it's really important so like the first i'd say eight years or so of my career um you know i i had you have imposter syndrome for sure i was young naive but i wish they had taught a course on this in journalism school and if i ever go back to teaching like I, i actually think that i would try and do a whole class on this but we need to teach people and women in particular men need to understand this too that like how a young female reporter can manage or navigate building relationships and sources with older men, because especially in sports, that's what you're doing. And it is like a hazard for women, not just obviously in sports, but like the rituals of cultivating sources and building relationships, which is, you know, you initiate contact, invite them for coffee, show interest in what they're saying. It like mimic the rituals of courtship. Yes. And I read this article that, again, I send it to I've sent it to so many people because it just names it so specifically about this. And it was about a political reporter who was saying like just how hard it is to understand how to like, okay, people are gonna blur the lines between the professional and the personal if they well, want to.
1: Yeah.
0: So I felt like I was just walking in this super like delicate line of trying to build relationships with all these men ar- around me who I needed like to not have relationships send signals with. that you weren't exactly. intending to send. And not have and them think I was interested in it. Yes. Yeah. And then you have something happen like the very first station that I worked for when I was in grad school, the GM invited me out to dinner to talk about my future. And he said, I watched your tape, like, let's go to dinner. And all of a sudden, I like meet him for dinner and it's in the south end of Boston. And it's this like romantic candle. It's I guess he did not want to talk about my resume tape. Like he it was just, it was so obvious. And I'm like, oh, why did I fall for that? And why are you doing this? And all the rest. So in any event, the good news is, uh, like, a really weird thing happened when I got engaged, which is I just completely stopped feeling that way. Like, all of a sudden, I just dropped it like a bag of bricks, and I didn't have to worry about I think it was mostly because, like, I didn't have to worry about people misinterpreting me because I'm married, I'm engaged, I have a ring on my finger, my intentions should be clear. So, I, the answer here to young women listening to this is not go get married. Like, that's not what I'm yeah. saying, but I think for me, I just, I wish I hadn't waited until there was a ring on my finger to feel the confidence that I did once I was in that place where I felt like, okay, I'm so not just something
1: like, how, how was that observable?
0: I think it was just, um, it was like, I'm not worried about when I get the SID, you know, the sports information director's phone number and I'm texting him something. I'm not worried about him misinterpreting it. You know, yeah. like, I'm like, I'm, I'm literally asking you a question and I, but what I realized so much of it was that a like don't give other people the power like don't or don't let a few bad apples shade how you operate or make you think that everyone is that way have your boundaries be professional and just the anxiety like let it go yeah. I, I wish yeah. i could have identified it to to your point like naming it naming that yeah sense that i had of insecurity and just letting it go like it's not yeah. my problem if you are going to interpret this whatever way i know who i am and yeah. I'm going to operate. So yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. my so, biggest regret.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so the biggest regret is.
0: That my, I didn't, life. that I couldn't, you know, maybe it's just, I, I think it's all tied into the confidence of knowing who I am. And I feel like I was saying this to somebody the other day, a, a girlfriend of mine is getting ready to turn 40 and I turned 40 uh, last year. And I told her, I said, I've never like every single year. and And 40 was kind of an, even a new, bigger horizon that I felt this like. I feel better every single birthday and I know there will be a point that that's not the case yeah. right like it starts the mountain the, the, starts to go back down but I'm like I am more secure I care less about the wrong things. I'm more confident yeah. I really truly feel like I've started to understand and know myself and what I'm you know trying to do and the path and I just I think aging there's this total fear about it, especially I think with women and to me I'm like, man, Every year gets better because I have more clarity and I don't worry about what other people think and I'm not caught up in trying to impress whatever it may be. So I'm by far not perfect on that stretch, but I think compared to where I was early on, I just, I like, do you ever have those flashbacks where you think about like a moment or an interaction and you're like, God, why did I think that was okay? Or why did I not stand up for myself?
1: Totally, totally. And the other thing that you're getting to, which I think is like, just, you know, reminds me of like all the nuance within regret, right? Because as I listen to you, Ashley, first of all, I have a lot of, which it sounds like you do now too, just like compassion for that younger version of you who was doing the best she could in, let's be honest, kind of like an effed up system. Yeah. Right.
0: For a system sure.
1: was kind of designed in many ways to trap you.
0: And yes. you
1: were the one that had to be vigilant, on high alert, making sure that your cues weren't misrepresented. So it's like the kind of industry compounded by the society that we're in with gender roles and all the things that play. And so I think the other thing with regret is like, what is mine to regret? And actually, what is not? Like, what is the system? And I can't be held responsible. And I'm not going to allow this to you know, kind of contribute to my sense of shame or erode my sense of self because would have, could have, should have, like the system wasn't designed for me to really succeed in this arena. And so can I get some distance from it in that way? And again, just frame it differently so that I can move forward versus beating myself up for all the things I should have done differently.
0: Yeah, I think that is and I appreciate you pointing that out. And, and I also should say, I should have led with this you helped me i don't even know if you remember but you helped me clarify a lot of this i was giving a talk several years ago and i think this was one of our last um you know speaking or one of our last coaching sessions that we did and i said i'm giving this talk and i don't really know <laughs> i've got a lot of things to say but i don't know what matters and i wanted to get into this because it was it was a uh, you know women in sports yeah. um, was kind of the theme and you helped me walk through this we had a coaching session i said i want to all say this and i don't know how to say it or even if it's helpful and yeah. you really validated that it, it does matter. And this is how you can frame it. And let's talk through it. And so when I was looking back at my notes from that talk, I was like, oh man, Chantal was the one who helped me realize how important this is. And so many young women have said, thank yeah. you for just naming it. Like, thanks for calling it out because yeah. it's sort of there, yeah. but nobody's well, this, talking this, about it. You're
1: saying back to negative emotions, right? It's like, the holidays are great. Everything's awesome. And yet if, if we don't leave room to say, and you know what, I'm struggling because of this loss," yeah. or I, it just, I, I feel just sad because I cannot be with X person on this holiday season. It can allow for something else, right? It can allow for connection. It can allow for someone else to be seen. It can allow for you to feel less alone. And so, you know, there is there's a space for negative emotions and to let them in. And as you said, Ashley, right, not to let them then consume us. And rumination is rarely helpful. But if we don't actually look at it and acknowledge, like, I do have this regret. Like I, in, in an alternate universe, I wish that I had done it differently and who knows where I'd be, where I would be if I hadn't done that, Yeah, you know, and so it's actually, there's no guarantee either way. If I had made a different choice that I would have ended up in a different spot and been somehow happier, more fulfilled, whatever, like we just can't know. Um, and so yeah, I just think how do we have a different relationship with regret? Regret that can actually be helpful.
0: Well, and I think that is the whole thing because we we all sort of feel like we want to live a life where we can say on our deathbed, like I have no regrets. And there was actually a Brene Brown um, podcast episode that you sent me that is perfect. But she's she feels the opposite, and she said, you know, a life without regret is a life without reflection and the inability to learn from stuff that makes you feel bad. Yeah. and I well, think and that's so true. I,
1: yeah, and the other thing I would say is like. Again, I think, and I'm sure that there's counter examples to this, but largely I think we regret because we made a choice. And so I think if you like live a life without regret, at some point are you not, yeah, pausing to actually make choices yeah. and to say, I am choosing this over this consciously or not. And I think again just come back to this idea of if we all had a dozen lives to live, yeah, I think then you can be on your deathbed and be like, I have no regrets. But in this one short life we have, it's kind of inevitable because very few of us are going to be able to manifest all the things we would ideally and hopefully want for the kind of existence we want.
0: Yeah, yep, beautifully said. Um, okay, before we bring in Betsy and and give our moment of gratitude, I would love to kind of get some two final thoughts from you. One is, what would you say? Are there specific tools or resources or something that somebody's listening to this and saying, yeah, I'm stuck in the mud on these feelings of regret? And I want to be able to move forward. Naming them, identifying them, obviously, is a big part of it, and talking about it, and sitting with it. Um, what else would you say that that would be might be helpful to somebody who's who this is resonating with, and who wants to make a change?
1: Yeah, I do think again back to this idea of self compassion, and just like, look, how did you do the best that you could at the time that it happened? Um, I think what you surfaced to in this idea of kind of what is mine to regret and actually what sort of system might I have been a part of or what family was I a part of that also contributed to this. And it's not all my regret to own. Um, and then I think allowing it to shift into, again, maybe it's loss, maybe it's guilt, maybe it's sadness, but kind of allow it to morph. And then from that place, all right, who do I want to be now? What do I want to learn from it? What different choice do I want to make? Um, the Brunei... Brown podcast you um, reference too, there's a book on regret, I think it's by Daniel Pink. Um, and so I think also just even exploring like what the emotion is, we we hide it in the corners a lot because regret, as you said, Ashley, there's kind of the mantra of like, live with no regrets. And so it's not something that we necessarily publicly want to acknowledge of all the regrets I have, um, you know, of which some are like silly and frivolous, like, why did I register for China for my wedding? And- <laughs> To the more significant of, you know, like why did I not tell X, Y, or Z person I loved them, and now it's too late? Or why did I let that friendship wither and die, and now I don't know how to reconnect again? You know, so there's there's law there's like a long spectrum of regrets. But with for the one that ones that kind of cut the deepest, I do think if we don't look them in the eye, it's really hard to feel kind of good and high integrity within ourselves.
0: The one thing I would add on to that that I have found that is helpful is when when you're trying to start a new page, turn a new chapter, whatever, you know, whatever that thing is, whether it's making a career pivot or a personal pivot or what it's like action is the motivation. You don't wait to be motivated to start doing something. Like just start working on it. And this podcast is a great example. There were several people who, you know, I knew that I wanted to do it and I knew that, you know, Lisa was on board and we were just like sort of paralysis by analysis trying to make it perfect before we actually launched. And finally, I just had a couple people say, just go start doing it. There will, you will learn so much by just doing it and you will find the motivation from when you actually just start doing the thing. And so that is one thing I would say if you're, if you know the change you want to make, because I think that's the first thing is identifying, okay, who who do you want to be? What do you want to do? How do you want to live differently because of this regret you have that you've now named? Just take, figure out what's this next small step that I can take to change it and, and yeah. it will build on that from there that's, yeah. something that's I helpful. love
1: someone someone told me a quote uh, recently I think it's by Wordsworth the poet but it's to begin begin <laughs> so It's like oh right you know it's like we just perseverate and are, like come up with a hundred reasons for whatever and um back to this idea of like there is a version of regret where we just regret not doing things and so just just yeah. do it and then see what happens from there
0: to begin begin how what a simple perfect beautiful. Uh, Yeah, I love that. And perfect for this time of year. Absolutely. Um, Did you want to share? I didn't want to skip over any specific examples of or a regret that you wanted to share that you had. I know I kind of. (laughs) So you're holding holding me
1: accountable for looking at my own regret. I I just like to preach. I don't actually like to practice. (laughs) Um, So yeah, no, sure. I'm happy. So mine is because I I was obviously reflecting on all my regrets prior to this episode, which was a delightful practice. Um, (laughs) So one that came up, um, one that came up for me that surprised me quite a bit at the time. So I, um, not too long ago, had my 20-year college reunion. So um, indicator of my age. I've got
0: mine this summer. So let's go. Yeah.
1: Uh, um, and so you know, I mean, I was connecting with people that I hadn't seen in 20 years, um, and one friend of mine in particular. So um, I went to Georgetown undergrad. There's a school of foreign service. Um, so as a result, many people who graduate from that school end up living internationally. So connecting with this friend, he's had a fascinating life, right? Lived in Bangladesh, in Nepal, like throughout different parts of Southeast Asia has kind of, kind of come back and forth, you know, from Asia to the U S you know, had a biological son adopted, uh, I think Nepalese daughter. Um, and I'm, I'm standing there with him and I'm like, No, I loved my life of youth sports in America. I love my life of youth sports in America. And um, seeing him was this reflection in many ways of kind of what I thought my life would be. Like, I love international travel. Um, Prior to getting married, I spent a lot of time in the developing world, like really fell in love with just the culture and people in so many different countries outside of the U.S., Um, and, and there was this like real wave of regret for like this life that I will not have. That doesn't mean I'm never going to travel again. It doesn't mean I can't expose my kids to other parts of the world, but I have chosen a much more traditional American life and I love it. I love my kids. Don't regret that. But it was just this deep regret and loss for Oh, like at some point, consciously or not, I went deeper and deeper into a life that is very different from that. And that version of that life has closed for me and there's sadness in that.
0: Has it though? Like truly is there... Well, correct. So not,
1: uh, I'm not going to adopt. I'm not going to, currently I'm not planning. I'm yeah. kind of beyond that stage of adopting a child. Uh, for right. a long time, I, I, as a young person, hundred percent thought that I would adopt a kid or multiple kids. So I'm like, okay, somewhere along the line, I, that didn't happen. Yep. Um, and so no, that the the kind of full bore version of, you know, living outside of the country in Bangladesh for a decade, that's not going to happen. But absolutely, right, the value of regret is it was a really unexpected wave of regret and loss Mm -hmm. in that moment. And so tuning into, oh, my God, that I hadn't expected that. And so if we can, like, really tune into that unexpected feeling as opposed to being like, okay who can I talk to next at this random bar at my reunion? If I can actually feel that, it is this clue of, oh, there is some longing that I have and I can... Manifested in some way in a different form, and then it raises a a whole series of questions: of what does that look like, and what kind of conversations do I want to have with my husband, and what do our, our upcoming family vacations want to look like? And so we can then begin to talk about it. But if I'm never aware of that regret, I don't even know that I need to have that conversation.
0: That is so, I think that is exactly spot on. And I, I will say, I mean, I think that's, that is the power of regret, right? Is that it feels bad enough that hopefully if yeah. you sit in it and pay attention to it and really reflect on it, you, it is the motivation to have you make a different choice moving yeah. forward so that you don't get to the fact that you're your 50 year reunion and go and and I still didn't do anything to scratch that itch yeah. that I had of whatever totally. it really looked like. So Totally.
1: Yeah. yeah and fundamentally it's like, who who do I want to be, right? I mean, that's kind of the question. And we feel regret when we are not being the person that we mm-hmm. want to be or who we thought we could be or who we wanted to be. And so leaning into that question can be sad and really empowering.
0: And I think it's also a function of getting older and aging and realizing like it, it we always have this feeling or I've always had this feeling of like, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna become this. I'm gonna have this. Yeah, yeah. You know, later and then later. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, the windows like they're not now just all opening. Like they're starting, there's gonna be a point that they're gonna start, those doors are going to start closing and being real about it, of you don't we don't and none of us know how much time we have here, but uh specifically there is an end, end in date and it's easy to not yeah. pay attention to that as well. Um, okay, on that delightful note, let's bring in Betsy Bloom. Betsy, first and foremost, like, do you have any regret you want to share with us as we're just like burying our souls about deep regret?
2: Um, so my regret, well, actually, I, I don't have a specific regret, but I have no regrets. <laughs>
0: well, then you need to do some self-reflection. That's, that's so, awesome.
2: um, I have many regrets, but listening to this has helped me reframe because I often think about regrets as the things that keep you up at night; those mm-hmm. embarrassing moments that you, like flash through your brain yep. in the moments between wake and sleep. Yeah. Um, but listening to this has has really helped me to think about like there those things are. I've learned a lesson from them, or I, they built my character in some way. It was not a worthless experience, and that gives me an opportunity to plug. Um, something that I think everyone should listen to or read at some point, which is George Saunders' commencement address where he talks about his only true regrets are failures of kindness. Yeah. And he talks about like, he's like, there was this moment where I was playing hockey in front of this girl I had a crush on and I like slipped and fell and somehow scored on my own goalie. And he was like, I don't regret that. I don't regret swimming in a river that was full of monkey poop and getting very sick. I don't regret that. He's like, I do regret being failures of kindness. I do regret those moments where I could have stood up to someone. And so I have plenty of those, but in reflecting on them, I think I've become a better person.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's perfectly said. And if you haven't read it, we will link to that because it's that commencement address is unbelievable. Real quick. We have a quick guest appearance. Do you want to say hi to everybody? We just woke up from a nap. Cora's feeling oh, good. Do you have any regrets? Cora, do you regret not going to bed earlier last night? Do you regret? No, she 17 candy canes? <laughs> Yeah, she can party. Okay. Should we do a moment of gratitude? And I think maybe this can be somebody and Betsy, you had this great idea, like somebody who's offered us grace during a regretful moment or period of our lives or something along this theme, whatever comes up for you. And, uh, Betsy, I'll start with you. and put putting you on the spot first.
2: Yeah. So my, the person that I want to say I'm grateful for is my husband. Um, He's, as Ashley, as you mentioned a few weeks ago, is going through a tough time, just lost lost his dad um, unexpectedly. Um, so I want to shout him out anyway, because I'm grateful for him every day. Um, but our relationship started in a sort of unconventional way. I We met and I was already dating someone else. And I was, it was a long relationship. And I was questioning whether I wanted to end it. I was like, it just feels like so much work to go through ending this relationship. And Mac was like, you have your whole life in front of you. Like, would you rather regret staying with someone and not taking this chance? Like this is this is a moment in time you don't want to look back on your life and say like I could have done this thing but I chose not to. And he was totally right. Um, and so I'm I'm glad that he pushed me to see that that would have been that would have been a regret I would not have been yeah. able to forgive myself for.
0: And B- Betsy, I think there are so many people who who do that you get to a certain point and you feel like I've invested all this time. I've invested all this, you know, we have built this sort of life together and it's going to be so painful and hard to undo it all. And so it's the time of life that everyone else is getting married and we should do it. And so then you do it. And I, it's the single most important decision you will ever make is who you're, you know, spend your life with. And I think that a lot of people carry around regret about choices that they could have made because they were harder in the moment. But exactly, yeah. Opportunity and space for so much more joy. Yeah, Yeah. right. Thank you for sharing that. I know.
1: Thank you. And way
0: to go, Mac. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I kind of remember that time because I was here, not on the other end of like Mac being like, "There's this woman who's like, she's everything. She's perfect. She's it. And I don't think she wants to be in this relationship. There's only one problem." Uh, she's about to move in with her boyfriend <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and I, I will say, I just, I give you, like I said, I, I give you a ton of, um, credit for it. Cause it's not an easy yeah. decision and you feel, we often beat ourselves up and feel badly about things. And I will say with a couple of relationships that I got out of, it was like, I want you to have the experience of having someone who is so sure that right. you are for them. Like you deserve mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And if I don't have that, like you deserve it. So,
1: yeah, exactly. Um,
0: yeah. Okay, Chantal, who who are you shouting out?
1: This is someone. Actually, don't I don't know. Um, so Michael Lewis, who is you know a famous book author, he wrote you know Moneyball and The Blind Side. Um, he was interviewed a number of times, um, in the not so distant past because his, I think it was his second child, um, very tragically died in a car accident. Um, I think she was with her boyfriend when they, um, got hit by a, a truck. I think I'm not positive. of the Yeah, details. it
0: was, it was in Tahoe and I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so just brutal, terrible, all the things. And I, I can't quite fathom how, what that experience, um, would be like as a parent um, for anyone. And one of the things he said that he kept experiencing after his daughter Dixie's death was so many people kind of reassuring him. Like, I'm, I'm sure that she, you know, knew how much you loved her. And, you know, I'm sure that there's no need to kind of regret that, you know, things that you didn't say or, and he just said like, it, it didn't land with him Mm. because he's like, I have no doubts that Dixie knew how loved she was. And it really struck me as a parent wondering, like, would I be able with 100% assuredness to say that if something tragic and terrible happened Mm -hmm. to me or to my kids? Mm -hmm. And it has made me so much more aware and so much more conscious of could I with certainty say, no, no, no. Like my kids knew how much I loved them. And so that is not a regret I will hold. And if I am to leave this planet prematurely, like they knew and they can kind of sit with that and be comforted by it. So it's something that has really struck me um, as kind of a guide in my parenting of like, can I be assured that my kids just know without a shadow of a doubt, like they are
0: loved. I think it's the most important thing to being a parent is making sure that your kids know that there is that unconditional love because there's nowhere else in the world that they're probably going to get it from. Certainly if it's not coming from you. And I, first of all, Michael Lewis is unbelievable and his podcast is amazing. He actually interviewed um, my sister-in-law, Diana Adamson, who's the reason Chantal and I initially met, uh, which again, I know we're linking a lot of things in the notes, but I'll put that, I'll put that episode in there as well. Cause it was one with, with Diana about what she was doing with her work um, several years ago. But Michael Lewis is unbelievable and him being able to openly talk about that grief and the loss is really formative. And the one thing I will say to You know, maybe parents who are like, "Well, of course, my kids know that I love them." One thing that I've started doing this regularly at bedtime, and you know how um, a lot of parents say, "I hope you have a kid just like you." In a in a negative way, Uh, my my mom certainly said that to me um, one very poignant time in high school, and I was like, "Yeah, because she'll be awesome, and I'll understand her." And but it's flipping that notion of, and I've said this to both of my kids, like, "I hope you get to have a kid like you one day, so that you know." what it feels like to be your mom. Like it's the biggest gift in the world that I get to love you. And I hope you get to have a kid so that you can understand it one day too. And it's such a simple thing, but every time I say it, it's like you can tell it just really, you know, resonates with them. Collins will always say, okay, mama, (laughs) like, just like, okay, it's, I got to go to bed, but uh, so, yeah, so I would, I encourage every parent out there to just make sure I mean everybody whether it's your kids or your parents or the people in your family tell them tell them be specific and tell them often because that that is the biggest regret is unsaid things i think that's what people live with um i'll go real quick my moment of gratitude is for a woman who was like kind of the human embodiment of unconditional love talking about this and she always gave me grace no matter what stage of life i was in the good ones and the bad ones and that was my grams mary adamson um And you talk about just like making a change and taking a leap. She moved from Denver to San Francisco when she was 90 years old so that (laughs) she could be near my brother and I and our kids and, you know, the rest of our family down in Southern California. And it's actually kind of amazing because her birthday is December 21st, which is Uh, today, Um, which, and she would have been 96 years old today and we lost her three years ago, but it's funny also because she was born on winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. The 21st is the shortest day of the year. I was born on June 20th, in which most years is summer solstice, which is the longest day of the year. So when I was little, I was like such a brat and I would just tease her about my birthday being the longest day of the year and hers being the shortest. And I remember, and this is a quote that she always used, but one of those times I was teasing her, she just smiled and she said, I, I am I'm happy that your birthday is, is the longest day of the year. It should be. But um, I love my birthday, too, and you're never going to hear me complain. And she followed that up with this quote that has just always stuck with me. And she said it so plainly. She would just say, always look on the bright side because no one wants to hear about your pain. So go ahead and keep complaining if you want to hang out by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like. I think the essence of what you're saying, Grams, is like be an energy giver, not an energy vampire, like like being a positive person is is the thing. And I but I would die laughing because she and she did that until the day she died. She never complained. She was in a ton of physical pain. She was in a neck brace for the last I think it was like six years of her life. Um, And you just never heard one single thing. So shout out to Gigi. Uh, I love you and I miss you and I think about you every time I start to complain about something. I just think, no, I don't want to hang up by myself. I'll st- I should stop. I should-, <laughs> I should pivot. I love this. I'm so grateful for the two of you and I, you know, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all of that. We'll be back in 2024 with a Your Mom Mailbag episode with Lisa McCaffrey, which is terrific. You don't want to miss that. But the last thing I'll say is just enjoy those precious moments, you guys, with your loved ones uh, while you can. Um, and I hope that you both have a terrific new year. Thank Thank you. And to you. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time.